Let's pray right now before we get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for everyone here. This is a special day, a special time. Your Word says that there's a time and a purpose for everything. So I pray for those that are visiting with us today that, that they hear your Word. And If there was anyone that walked in today, God, that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we pray more than anything that they would be saved, healed, and delivered, and set free. Father, if anyone came in here insecure, like we heard from from Vera earlier, from the Lord, that, that that spirit would leave them right now. That They would see that they are right in your sight if they put their faith in Jesus. We pray, Lord, if anyone came in here depressed, oppressed, sick in their body, facing a financial mountain, that they would leave knowing you're a good, good father, something good's coming, this can all change in a moment. I ask you to speak through me today to your people. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, early on in the church, uh, I don't know where I heard it. I don't really even know what I heard it, but it's become a saying of mine. It's this, something good is coming your way today. And let's start out by looking at the person next to us and saying, something good, something good. is coming your way today. Do you see how everyone likes that? Positive words. So it was 15 years ago, July 25th, I was in 90 West Street, a building that practically got destroyed on 9-11, but it was, it was July of 2000, the 25th. I had just had one of the worst days of my life, uh, lost everything, lost my job, went upstairs. My church just happened to be in the building where I traded. I was a trader on Wall Street, so not a traitor, a trader. <laughs> So it just happened, I, I lost everything I had that day, and I had lost everything I had a few times in my life. I went upstairs, and I went into the sanctuary there. My pastor was inside doing his radio show. There was two or three people there with me, and I just started crying. And the Lord said to me, listen, you need to preach the word. You need to bring the word, the positive word that I'm good to North Brunswick. Because up until that time in my life, I really... You know, I sort of knew that God loved me. And when they said, God is good, I was one of those all the time. Yeah. And then five minutes later, I was like, oh, shoot. What are you doing to me, God? You know? Because everybody says God's good all the time, but they're not always acting like God's good all the time. I was one of those and still have my moments. Anybody? <laughs> but God said, I want you to bring that positive message to North Brunswick. So I, I finally said, okay, I'll do it. And I felt the weight of the world come off my shoulders. Like the weight of the world. I was so excited, man. I was like a bullet shot out of a, a gun. I was like a cannonball just whoo, came home, told my wife. She wasn't necessarily in agreement at that time. We had six kids, and somebody had to bring in some money. <laughs> but she didn't douse my dreams. But I'll tell you what, there were many Christians that did that told me, no, no, no. You, no, no, no. That, that, that's not how you do it you got to go into the basement first, get a guitar, get like seven, eight people, and just play kumbaya, kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. And you might have to do that for months. And then you get a map, and you put pins on that map. And you wrap little threads on the little areas of the map. And you say, God, what area do you want me to go to? What's, how many, you know, what is the race and creed of the people in that area? Are there people moving in there? Get some, you know, mailing lists. I'm like, I don't got time for all this. 
hundred by the time I start this church. You know, that's not how you do it, Pastor. You know, Christians, mostly Christians. Not everybody was like, yeah, Pastor Joe, we're, well, I wasn't even Pastor Joe then. They were like, we're not, you know, it it wasn't like everybody just went on board the train. Uh, You know, it, it wasn't like that. I was on the train and nobody else was. But four weeks later, August 27th, I don't know if it's four or five, look back in the calendar, it doesn't really matter. We had our first service. Because I had to stop listening to the negative narrative that was being spoken or I would have never done anything. And look around you. It's pretty good what God has done here. It's pretty amazing what God has done. I was just on Facebook with a young lady who used to sing on our worship team, and she saw that we were having a celebration. She moved away, and she reminded me that she came to our church. Her and her husband, they were, they were a little up in age. They could never have a baby, just couldn't have a baby, trying, trying, trying. I said, listen to me. You want to have a baby? Just come within three inches of me and my wife, or three feet. I'll tell you this times I've just looked at my wife. She got pregnant. I don't even know how it happened. And the, la- the last one was two. I mean, I-, I said, I got this down pat. We just prayed for her. She went to go adopt a child. Before the adoption was even finished, she was pregnant. And had another child. And she, she wrote to me, Pastor Joe, thank you so much. And then it reminded me of that other woman that we prayed for and the other woman that we prayed for and the other woman we prayed for and the man that had cancer in the prayer that we prayed for and the person that had hepatitis we prayed for, all these people that got healed and God did all these miraculous things. And I said, wow, just because I shut down the negative narrative in my life and did what I was called to do, God has done something fantastic. And last week we talked about, I had a prophecy spoken over me about dipping the staff in the honey. How, you know, when Israel was in trouble, you know, they were fighting the Philistines and they were tired. They hadn't eaten all day because Saul, the not good, good father, said, don't eat until I have vengeance on my enemies. But then his own son, Jonathan, it says he didn't hear what his father said. I don't know if he didn't hear what his father said or he didn't want to hear what his father said. It doesn't tell you. But he came into this forest where they all were and there was honey everywhere and he said, What's the matter with you? Well, he's in, oy vey. <laughs> he was Jewish. There's honey everywhere. And he took his staff and he dipped it in the honey and he tasted it and it strengthened him and it brightened him. It's about the goodness of God. See, the goodness of God is everywhere, but only some people dip into it. Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. It says, my son, eat honey. Why? I know this is hard for some of you to say, but let's try. Because it is good. Let me try that again. Because it is good. I'll tell you, there are so many Christians that have a tough time saying the word good. They'd rather talk about judgment, the end of the world, whatever. Because it is good. The honeycomb, which is sweet to your taste, so shall be the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul if you have found it. There is a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. There is a prospect. There is a future. How many of you remember when you first got saved? You've been saved for a really long time. 
Let me ask you a question. How many prophecies have you heard that the world was going to end? Is the world over? Yet we still chase after it. Why? Why? When I first got saved, that's all they were talking about. And I wasn't even saved in the 70s. If you were saved in the 70s, that's all they talked about. The late great planet Earth. Well, uh, still here. You know why? Look at the next scripture I want to put up there. Proverbs. It says, where there is no prospect, where there is no vision, the people perish. See, when you don't see prospect for your life, what happens is you perish. What does that mean? You waste your life. Wasting time. I had this negative narrative not to do it. Well, if I would have just, if I thought Jesus was coming back the next week or the next month, I wouldn't have done it. Why take this endeavor? Why? Because God wants us to share the good news. That's what he wants. Or should every Christian get, get a, find a basement, get some guns, get some gold. They called the four Gs. Gun, God, guns, gold, and groceries. And make sure you stack water up there too. But that's just a waste. It's a waste. There are people dying without Jesus. So here I was, this negative narrative. To me, negativity was fine with me. How, you turn on the news today, these days? How does that feel when you turn the news on? You get 29 and a half minutes of negativity and then 30 seconds about somebody who found a pumpkin. <laughs> like, we found the pumpkin! Oh, it's so great, isn't it? Oh, God. But we like that, don't we, sometimes? We like the negative. Some of us do. Come on, let's, let's get real. You know, somebody tells you things aren't going well with them, and you're like, oh, I know. I feel, I, oh, I feel it, man. Oh, God. Hey, I just got blessed with a new job. They gave me a $20,000 bonus. Oh, great. Great for you. Because we, we naturally go to the negative. It's always a negative narrative about everything. It says here that the person that keeps the law, which is now the gospel, is happy. Anybody want to be happy? Do you know it's okay to be happy? Paul actually said rejoice in the Lord. When? Just on, just on Tuesday? Always! Come on, Christians. Please. Paul never said. Paul never said that I'm not ashamed of the bad news of God. Paul never said it is the bad news that leads people to repentance. The only talk about Jesus coming back was that word was to comfort one another. It was a word of comfort. It's not what brings salvation to people. When people come in the door, we don't go, let me see. Are you going to the lake of fire or not? Just checking. And could you please write down all your sins so we can check on you? No. God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. I don't care what earrings or nose piercings or tats you got on you. God loves you. Got a great plan for you. I don't care if you're a high school dropout. I don't care if you're a drug addict. He loves you. 
It is the goodness of God that leads people to repent, to change. It's true. Let me show you what the definition of the gospel that Paul said I'm not ashamed of is. You see, I had to come to a point where I wouldn't be ashamed. See, listen, if you come out and preach judgment and preach about all this stuff, like people, they write these books now, you know, about the world ending, and they're never right. By the way, no one's been right. Why are we wasting our time? It's a waste. I didn't want to waste my time. I didn't want to waste my time. I had to get busy doing what God had me to do. So he says, you're going to bring a positive message among not just a negative narrative from the world, but from Christians. Listen, people that write these books about judgment and, you know, I'm not even going to say their names and everything, and then they make millions of dollars. Nobody holds them accountable. How many of you had a prophecy spoken over your life that didn't come to pass? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you had a prophecy spoken over your life? Raise your hands high. You know who you are. You've had prophecy spoken, or you went to hear some prophet that said something. It didn't come to pass. Did you call him up and say, hey? The Bible has something to say about false prophets. You know, I've had people come into our church and speak negative or say, you know, the United States wasn't going to be around in 2008 or 2009. I don't know. I'm still here. I'm not letting them back. I love them. But what happened to holding people accountable? But then when somebody writes a book that says God is good, everybody's freaking out. What do you mean God's good? Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny what we waste our time on? So I had this negative narrative, and I was like, I got no time to waste. I, like, I don't have time to do surveys. I don't have time to do I just got to do what I got to do because Jesus is coming back. See, but that is to inspire us to lead as many people to him before he comes back. And when people come to me with this end-of-the-world junk, this is what I say. How many people have you led to Jesus this year? If you know it's coming, if you know it's coming, what are you doing? You better be out there witnessing to people. You better be out there sharing the good news because that's what brings people to Jesus. The gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Gospel, it's a Greek word. Euangelion. It's made up of two Greek words. E-U, doesn't mean ew. It's E-U, and you know what that word means in the Strong's Concordance? Anybody know what Strong's Concordance is? It's a very powerful, strong concordance written by really strong, powerful men. That, and, and like when they, one of them says something, they go, I concur. Let's make a concordance. So E-U means to prosper, to be well off, good. And angelion comes from the word angelizo, which is the word for angel or messenger from God. The word gospel means prosperous, good message from God. Are you sharing the prosperous, good message from God? It also says in the Strong's, the glad tidings. Just say that word, tidings. Makes me think of laundry. But it's, it's really a cool word, isn't it? 
I bring, what does it make the, about Christmas too? I bring you tidings of great joy. Glad tidings of salvation. The word salvation means to heal, to cure, to deliver. We're to share with people that Jesus came, that you might heal, be healed, be cured, be delivered. It's a good news. It's a good message. It's a prosperous message. Every area of your life, blessed. Why else would we do this? The proclamation of the grace of God. How many of you know that grace is a good thing? Just going to throw that out there. Grace means you get what you don't deserve. Listen, we don't deserve this, but we got it. We, we, we are, you don't deserve a church. Hey, would you like to come out to my church? What's the name of it? You don't deserve it. It's you don't deserve a church. How many of you don't deserve it? How many of you don't deserve the good, good father you have? You're in the right place. This is you don't deserve a church. I know I don't deserve it. I'm a high school dropout. Ended up on Rikers Island, and then God saved me, and he gave me grace. And he turned my life around. Something good came my way. Listen, something good could come your way. All you got to do is believe it and receive it, and he'll do it. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I'm not ashamed to tell you the good news. Because it's good news that changes people. Listen, you want bad news? Go to the news when you go home. Just turn on any station. You hear it for hours. By the time it's over, you want the world to end. Amen. But Pastor Joe, you don't understand. Not everything in my life is, is good. Not everything is good. Well, we heard it spoken between the first and second service. We've sang it. Romans 8, 28 in the Amplified says, We know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, is working all things together. And fitting into a plan for good. Everybody say for good. good. Oh, I'm going to leave you smiling with goodness one way or the other. <laughs> to and for those who love him and are called according to his design and purpose. Some of you were like, well, where's the good? Well, are you walking in his purpose for you? Are you taking his goodness and sharing it? Do you want to be a conduit of goodness? You know what's a great place to be? Right in the middle of goodness. You know, when the disciples, they took the, the loaves and the fishes from Jesus, I believe they took that goodness, brought it to the people, came back, took it, brought it to the people. They were right in the middle of it. They were right in the middle of it. What are you in the middle of? Are you a middleman? Somebody's <laughs> preaching over here. What is God's plan and purpose? I'll tell you what it is, that you believe the good news and that you spread the good news. If Christians would be excited as, uh, as, as excited about the good news as they seem to be about the bad news, we would be seeing a lot more people saved. Amen? Amen. Nobody likes a crusty, judgmental Christian. The first thing they'll be like, I don't want that. I don't want, my wife says, they don't want that, Jesus. Who needs it? Listen, when I met him, I was suicidal. I was, thought I had no prospect of my life. I didn't need anybody to tell me I was in a mess. I knew. I needed somebody to tell me there was hope to get out of it. Come on. Who needs it then? We're wasting our time. It's something good. 
It's something good. It's something good. And it doesn't matter your situation. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Doesn't matter your situation. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter what you've done. Because all of those things disqualify me and many people that I know here. But you know what? Something changed. Something good came. Let's read Luke chapter 7, verse 11. This has been one of, I just love this story from Scripture, this passage from Scripture. It happened the day after that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And he came near the gate of the city. Behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. There's four quick points I want you to see out of this passage of Scripture. First, let's look at Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Now it happened the day after. The day after what? Well, he had just healed many at Capernaum, and now he traveled 20 miles, and they were walking. They didn't have cabs. <laughs> they traveled 20 miles, and at the exact time that Jesus and his crowd of disciples are going into the gate of the city Nain, just so happens that that exact time, there's a funeral for a woman's son, a widow's son, with a large crowd leaving the city. Just so happened. It just so happened that you're here today. No, God got perfect timing. It just so happened I took the train that day to New York and saw her on the platform. It just happened. How many of you had it just happen when you met your spouse? It just happened. I love listening to stories how, how husbands and wife meet because these stories are just so crazy. We have this one couple in here. I'm not going to name their names, Jay and Daria. But um, <laughs> he was a sailor. He was on leave. A sailor. And she just happened to be in New York. It was Fleet Week, you know. Now, I'm not sure I think they met in a bar, but he wasn't a drunken sailor. But she just happened to be in New York, and he gets off a boat. And now, three kids later, hallelujah. And might I mention poor Dean of Lawn, who was, happened to be at the train station in New Brunswick as well. A great place to meet somebody. And then Steve came up and grabbed at her. He came down on his knees and grabbed at her coat and said, please, please, can I have your number? Please, oh, pretty please. He was like Oliver begging for food. And she said, away with you. <laughs> I got to bust him every once in a while. because he's <laughs> No, but here they are, just chance meeting. Chance meeting. It happened. It's God. It's God just happens. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's a time for every 
purpose under heaven. You know what? Today could be your time. That everything changes. So the first thing we need to do, it's, it's time to change the negative narrative in your life. The time is right now. Number two, it's time to expect something good. Expect something good. Look at verse 11. He went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, listen, help is on the way. Whatever it is, help is on the way. As a matter of fact, it's coming. It's coming. Something good is coming. As long as you're drawing near to God, he's drawing near to you. If he's coming, guess what he's bringing with him? Something good. And guess where he's coming? He's coming to the gate. He's coming to the gate. And the Lord showed me once something a long time ago. You see those Lord of the Rings movies, right? (laughs) When they go and they attack the place. The closer they get to the gate, the tougher the battle gets. You might be, you know, like the closer you get to the gate, then the archers, they start shooting them. They, woo! And then if you get too close, they, they pour the oil over the edge. Ooh, the hot oil. You know, when you're trying to get through the gate. And some of you right now, you're at the gate. And it's getting a little tough, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is on the other side of that gate. He's coming for you. Something good is on the way today. Help is on the way. Listen, 15 years ago, it's, I'm starting a church, honey. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Okay. I'll come if you beg me. (laughs) Start the church, but I'm out of work. So we start praying. We're praying and praying and praying. And before you know it, a job comes to the gate. A job comes to the gate. I wasn't ready to open the gate. You see, because we need to give God an opening. Revelation 3.20 says this, behold, when you ever see the behold, just say, check it out. That's what God's saying. Check it out. I stand at the door. I'm at the gate and I'm knocking. Do you know God is knocking right now on your heart? He's knocking. He wants to let you know, listen, I got something good for you. I've got something good. Knock, knock. Who's there? Jesus. Jesus who? I got something good for you. Open the dang door. (laughs) See, something good. Last week, last week I shared this thing and I said the word hell. There's a big firestorm, okay? Because you all liked it. That's why. If you would have shouted me down, but you all loved it. You practically got, see how negativity raises people up? But you know what? A job was on the way. God was working something. He was working something. He was working something for me. I didn't see it, but it was happening. He's working something for you. He's on the way to the city. He's on the way to the gate. And that's where number three comes in. In verse 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came 
and he touched the open coffin. And those who were carrying him stood still. Let me tell you something. All God needs is an opening. All he needs is an opening. If you close your heart to his goodness, you'll never experience it. He just needs an opening. So here is this crowd of people with Jesus just waiting to see what he's going to do next. And here's a crowd leaving the city of mourners and people like, this is a widow. She's burying her son. All her hopes, all her dreams are now gone. She's lost her husband. And now even the image of her husband, the one that would carry his weight or carry his career or carry his anointing or whatever it was that the son would carry is now gone dead. All her hope is gone. Little did she know that help was on the way. And Jesus comes, and I don't know about you, but have you ever gone to a funeral where somebody was coming against the procession and put their hand or awake or when they're carrying the body to bury it that someone would come up and touch it? You'd slap their hand off, amen? But they just stood still. They just stood still. Some of us need to stop for a second and give God an opening. Give him an opening. Don't just come to church today. Stop for a second. Give him an opening. Give God an opening. You won't be disappointed. So here this job is on the way. I didn't know it. I get a call. We get a job for you for this company, Ice. I'm like, Ice? I don't want no ice. You ever hear vanilla ice? He's here today. He's gone tomorrow. Later on, all I sang was, Ice, Ice, baby. Do, 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 do. Like, I know that so, I mean, crack pot, I mean, forget it. <laughs> I don't want to start singing it, but that's all I sang once I got my job at ICE. <laughs> I, this guy, Frank, who worked with me, who eventually got saved because I wore him out. Uh, <laughs> you'll meet him at the celebration. I mean, he couldn't take it anymore because every day the market opened, I'd be, I'd go like this. Ice, ice, baby. Do, 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 I just, I was into it. But before... <laughs> When that job was on the way, I didn't want it. I didn't open my heart to it. I didn't open my mind to it. We prayed on our knees. We prayed. And here comes So my wife's like, honey. I like when she calls me honey. It's very rare, but. <laughs> she said, honey, we prayed. We prayed. We prayed. And you got a phone call for this job. What's the matter with you? This is from God. I'm like, I don't want that job. I'm a little baby. I want that job. I want a different job. I'm like a little immature kid. She said, you're taking that job. <laughs> oh, let me tell you again. You're taking that job. Okay, mommy. No, I mean, it was kind of like that. You know what I mean? Like, I was just in such a place. <laughs> I call her mommy sometimes, too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> People are so bad. But anyway, so I took the job. The greatest blessing of my life. Never knew it. Never knew how good it was. But when she finally said, open up to this is God. This is what you've been asking for. 
Imagine if I would have let that pass me by. And you know what it shows you? Sometimes you need somebody else to help you for the goodness of God. Somebody, sometimes you need somebody else to help you open your heart. Because you're in it. You can't see it. But someone else can see it in you. Like, don't you understand? God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. Just give him an opening. Just give him an opening. It's time to give God an opening. And number four, it is time to let God raise your dreams back to life. Okay, I need like four or five really happy people. Like you're always happy. You're really smiley. No, I mean really happy people. <laughs> Carrie, I need Carrie. Yeah. Okay, Logan, yes, you're happy. Don't try to pretend like you're a happy person. No, I know who the happy people are. All right? I need love over here. I mean, look at what she's wearing. She's got to be happy. Come up here. Come on. Yeah. I just said happy people. I need some happy people over here. I need some happy people. You're a happy person? All right, come on. You smile all the time. Denise, for sure. You can't wipe the smile. No, wait, 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 wait. I got enough. I got enough. Can, can, you, be, can you be grumpy? You're new to it. Can you be grumpy for me? Oh, okay. All right, you can go. God, be. <laughs> she said, I, you have to be, are you a happy person? Uh, let me see you all smile with really happy smiles. I said I needed happy people. That's it? To answer some, be happy. I need some grumpy people. Don't make me pick you out. I need some grumpy people. Don't make me pick you out. Don't make me do it. Uh, yeah, you for sure. Come over here. Yeah, you too. Come on. Wait, why are the men grumpy? <laughs> Come on here. Is anybody else here that's grumpy? Come on, be honest now. You just walk around. You're just like, you know, like, uh, 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 uh. don't make me pick you out. All right, come on. If they, let me tell you something. If your wife and kids say you're grumpy, trust me, you're grumpy. I need like one more. Your son is catching the anointing of grumpiness? All right, move down to that side, all the way down there, all the way down. There. No, you're not first. He's first. I need one more. I need one more grumpy person. I need a, a grumpy lady, though. I need a grumpy woman. There's got to be one. Oh, um, I'm going to pick you out right now. So you better not be looking grumpy right now because I'm... All right, that's it. You're coming. <laughs> now, she isn't normally grumpy. You brought, did you work late last night? She's very tired and grumpy. So you guys go to that side, go to that side, all the way over there. You guys go to that side, all the way there. All the way over there. I just want you to get a visual of what is going on here. Look, look, they're so happy they're hugging. They're like this over here, look. Oh, so, what's he doing? You're not, you're not allowed to smile. No smiling over here. You're very upset. Can you act upset? Not at me, just, can you, can you be upset? Can you be upset? Can you be nothing but happy? 
It's like disco where the happy people go. So here's what's going on here. You have happy people with Jesus. They're like, I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do. Honey, you could be Jesus. Come over here. <laughs> and since you're the only woman here, you have to be the widow that's very upset. You lost Todd and Nicholas. <laughs> By the way, you might have lost Todd. Where is he? <laughs> so here you have, here is the gate, okay? And you have the mourners coming and you have the happy people coming waiting for something good to happen. Come on, come on, I know you're grumpy, but come on, you're really upset. Look upset. <laughs> Jesus was not doing that kind of dance. She just takes these opportunities to do this stuff. Because <laughs> I'm happy. Just be happy. You know why she's so happy? Because she's married to me. Yeah! Don't act happy. All right. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Which crowd are you with? Which crowd? This is an expecting something good crowd. This is a crowd that saw Jesus heal people. This is a crowd. They just left Capernaum. It said like hundreds and how many people were healed there. They're all excited. They're like, Jesus, where are we going? This crowd is very sad. Very sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> very, very sad. It's really, really sad. See how sad she is? And they're going because their hope is, they don't have any more hope. Their hope they've lost their hope. But all of a sudden, <gasps> the hopeless meets. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to do amazing, wonderful, awesome Terrific things. I'm the director. Get over here. I'm the director. What are you doing? You say all that. I want you to see a vision of where are you in your life? You marching with them? You marching with them. You can be marching here, but you might right now be marching here. But I'm here to tell you, when you meet here, guess what happens? Everybody's happy, even you. We're all happy. We're all happy. We're all happy because we met Jesus. And he can turn anything around. It doesn't matter where you are or who you are or what you are or where you've been. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because when you meet him, everything changed. Look, they're so happy they're going to bow now. What crowd you walking with? What crowd are you walking with? Because I can tell you this, it doesn't matter because today you can all walk with Jesus. Today you can all walk in joy. Today you can all walk in peace. 
Because he loves you. He's a good, good father. A good, good father. Here's what happens. He says to the young man in verse 14, he said, everybody say, he said in verse 14, young man, I say to you, arise. He said, see, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't even matter what you say. It doesn't even matter what the people in your life, the Christians in your life say. See, because if I were to listen to people, you would never be here. And the hundreds, if not thousands of people that got saved in this church would not have got saved if I were to listen to the negative narrative. If I would have wasted my time. Those babies may have never been born. Those people may have never been healed. Those marriages may have never been healed if I had listened to a negative narrative. I'm not saying I'm great. I'm just saying it's good I made the right decision. It's good that when I met him and his goodness, I didn't close myself up. It's good I listened. Because he said, not me, not anybody else, he said, young man, arise. So he who was dead, see, when Jesus speaks, whatever was, isn't wasn't anymore. It becomes a was. If your marriage is broken and he says it's healed, it's a was. If you're sick and he says you're healed, it's a was. If you're poor and he says you're rich, it's a was. He was dead. And then it says that he sat up and he began to speak again. Let me tell you something. Some of you have dreams or had dreams that used to talk. <laughs> you used to talk about them. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And somehow a negative narrative got a hold of you and you stopped saying it. If he says it can be, it can be. How many things are possible with God? All things. Does all include everything? Does it include if, you've been, if you're a young lady and you've been single for a really long time, can God find you a man? Oh, yes, he can. And if you come to that party on October 30th, you might find him. Or he, or, or he might be here today. You're going to find him because you, you got it. Now, when you find him and you do that, he might try to run away. But... But, I, but he'll come back. You know why? We'll make him. <laughs> but it says that you need to begin to speak it again. You need to begin. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. It began to speak again. And it says that Jesus presented the son, the dream, what was dead, presented it back to the mom. God wants to present back your dream. Wants to present back your vision. Because if he says it's alive, it's alive! It's alive. Even if your marriage is almost dead, he can bring it back to life. Even if your teens <laughs> are lost, he can bring them back. 
even if you're insecure and feel like you can't do anything, he can make your dream speak again and hand it right back to you. Some people here have dreams and plans that they know were from God. They never acted on them. They closed their heart to it. It never happened. But I'm here to tell you, you can open it right back up. I was a Christian for, I don't know, 12 years before I started walking in my real dream. 12 years of a closed heart. All of a sudden, in a moment. And look what he did. It's amazing. It's miraculous. He can do that for you today. And it starts by receiving him as your Lord and Savior. So if you would bow your heads with me. Listen to me. Are you 100% sure that if you died tonight, you'd spend eternity in heaven? 100%. Because if not, say this prayer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved forevermore. He said that if you say this prayer, if you believe in Jesus, that you will cross over from death to a new life. He said it. I didn't say it. Pastor John didn't say it. He said it. We just repeat it. So say this prayer with me. Say, Father, Father I know that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross for my sin. He shed his blood. He took the punishment that I deserved. And because of that, I get what I don't deserve. A new life. Grace. Eternal life. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me brand new today. Amen.